Good afternoon. You're listening to the Emily Rooney Show. The silly season collided with the hot and steamy season this week. Maybe Senator Scott Brown was feeling the heat when he mistakenly said he's been meeting in secret with kings and queens and prime ministers every day. Maybe he wasn't following the media's advice. You know, things like don't sit in your car with the windows rolled up with the heat on when it's 95 out. Then there's the much more serious Sal DeMacy's ominous cancer diagnosis and questions over whether he was given timely treatment while in prison. It is our week in review this Friday. I'm joined here in the studio by Terrence Burke, a public affairs professional at Denterline, Kara Miller, host in Innovation of Innovation Hub on WGBH, and Boston Herald columnist Peter Gell Zinnis. All right, we gotta go right to it. This was Scott Brown yesterday on uh, Jim Browdy and Marjorie Egan show yesterday morning, and here's what he uh, let me put this in context. They were actually asking him whether the there had been too much focus on the silly, the, the you know, the frivolous and, and non-important things, including uh, Elizabeth Warren's ancestry. He he came back and said, oh, no, the ancestry thing is a real issue. And then he went on to say, actually, no one does pay attention, even though really what he's t- attending to the serious business of the world. And here's what he said. Each and every day that, I'm, that I've been a United States senator, I've been either discussing issues, meeting on issues, in, in secret uh, meetings and with, with kings and queens and prime ministers and, and business leaders and military leaders, talking, voting, working on issues every single day. I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I, I'm kind of defending him. It, it was allegory. I mean, I think it was. I mean, the, the, the uh, campaign kind of dialed back, pedaled back a little bit and said, no, that wasn't exactly accurate. But I... I think when I heard it, I didn't think it was exactly You, you know he was just getting carried away. He, yeah. was, he was reaching for the level of people he was uh, meeting with. But, you know, <clears throat> one thing that's good about Scott Brown is that he – why he's a good political figure or even you watch the sport of politics is that he listens to his staff. He <clears throat> follows their guidance. When he's off on his own though, sometimes this is where these types of things happen. I think he's sort of gets off – uh, course a little, and you know, he, it was almost as if he was saying it like he had too many cups of coffee and was just sort of this is, rambling on. But it is you are held accountable when you say second, things like this. It's the second time. I mean, it's eerily reminiscent <laughs> of the uh, Obama yeah. uh, death, Osama ma- bin Laden, yeah. Uh, yeah, the photos death thing where he says, uh, you know, I mean, it was a he rather than say, look, I was snookered like everybody else. Yeah. He goes on to say, I've seen it, and then I was invited into this special meeting, yeah, and, yeah. and it never happened. And when reporters pressed him on it afterwards, he just he kind of ran away from the question. That's why I think when he's off course without his staff giving him the talking points, he, he, he can mess up. But how do you, so, I mean, he's a very controlled candidate. But it misspoke. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's just how do you how do you misspeak no, something? Like you know, I think sometimes, as Terrence said, I think people try to exaggerate their own importance, and I guarantee you, this was a, almost a situation as with President Obama when he said the private sector is doing just fine a couple of weeks ago. I bet you anything, the word when the words came out of Scott Brown's mouth, you heard him almost dial it back afterwards. Oh, uh, a military leaders, business leaders, it, it went downscale as yeah, it right. as it went on, just to sort of tempt. What, what he had just said, and but I do I will say, and I was saying this to Peter in the green room before the show. This feels like a campaign that so far has been dominated by things that have almost no effect on the people of Massachusetts. Is or is not Elizabeth Warren uh, partially Native American? You know, does Scott Brown meet with kings and queens? Uh, should Gail Huff be uh, be doing commercials for Scott Brown? These may all be interesting questions, but I guarantee you they have nothing to do with the quality of education or health care or the issue of casinos or jobs. And it just feels like somehow this has become, as you said in the intro, this is silly season. We've gotten off track here. What's interesting is countering to that are Scott Brown's ads right now. If you look, there one I had where yeah, he's going into a diner and he's getting yeah. a poured cup of coffee and he talks about how he's involved and he's reading the newspaper and you know he's thinking he's really playing himself as this average person. No, that's Same right. And the other too. one is so, him canoodling with yeah. Gail Huff on the yeah. couch. And you you kind of think, well this is interesting, but does this But it, what it is is that it's sort of it's sort of an interesting where we're getting carried away with silly things, then his campaign is Almost based on the mundane too. At the same time, yeah, but those, and, those and dialing that up, and that's an appeal. That, those that those appeals uh, to people. radio spots are recycled Joe Malone moments. You the, know, the, they the, design the it for nothing more than yeah. a feel-good yeah. kind of thing. And I think, 
I think it plays into his wheelhouse right now. I think this is kind of what he wants. Yeah. You know, he doesn't want to get into the the hurly burly of what's going on in Washington and on a, on a sustained basis. Neither does the media. But neither does she. I mean, I think no, you know she does though. I think she's, you know, I think she has to move on past the idea of, you know, we, we get the message because she says it, you know, a million the times, middle class the middle class hammered. family being hammered. There's other things going on, too, which which no matter what question you ask her, that's what you get as an answer. Well, that's also not a policy. That's and I and I think what we're talking about is should this move from personality and how nice you are to your wife or what, what your <laughs> yeah. heritage is or what's happening to the middle class to – Okay, so what are you going to do for the state of Massachusetts? I mean, I think that's a legitimate question, and I hope as we move towards these debates, which themselves have been mired in in controversy, that we get a little more clarification on actually what people's policies are. I I think it'll sharpen as we get closer on certain policy issues. Certain things will rise to the surface, but I do think that – you know that right now that this is this is where he's it's almost like he's running for governor it's a very interesting campaign feel to it it's like he's running for governor like i'm going to be in your hometown i'm dealing with your issue or i feel your middle class issues i'm a regular guy that gets bad coffee at a diner and all that and and then she's up at way up at 35,000 feet you know with a, a lot of the federal level stuff which you know that appeals to some people Doesn't but scott brown down. i think is taking another move, which is to go in and just say, I'm that nice guy that you voted for. If you think about it, it's going to have to be a two-step move to vote for her. You're going to have to fire him and put her yeah, in. That's a big and deal. that's a lot for people to do. It's a two-step you know, move. I, I was one of the people, and I've still <clears throat> defended, I, I, I thought the coverage of the Native American industry was legitimate. I, I actually think that that is a legitimate issue because it speaks to whether you know you position yourself as uh, you know, an affirmative action candidate, essentially, and, you know, put yourself in a position for favorable treatment. But even Marjorie Egan, uh, Peter, has said that the Herald got letters saying, look, enough already. I mean, Herald really went to extremes on this story. I mean, can you corroborate that? Have you, well, anybody? I did a, I, you know, I did a piece this week about, you know, I thought trying to strike a balance with the idea of, uh, you know, Brown coming to the uh, to the Institute and uh, at the groundbreaking yeah. and gushing over Victoria. I mean, I think that... And then denying that he... Yeah. And then refusing to participate in the debate this week. But again, I think it all plays to the fact that, you know, he can deflect... Uh, any kind of scrutiny of his record and and the choices he's made so far to talk about you know she's got to she's got to be forthcoming and and show us her papers you know I mean that becomes that becomes a very convenient uh, uh, you know retort for him. I thought that was legitimate also him not participating at the uh, Edward M Kennedy Institute in a debate you, right. uh, with an invitation put forward by Vicky Kennedy because. You know, but it, he did this, it at the. I believe he did no. it at the Kennedy Library. He right. and uh, Martha debated there. Kennedy you know, Library right? and, and the Institute are different. Well, I would actually say that you know the ins- perhaps the ins- the Institute has to clarify its mission better. Perhaps it's but named the ins- Edward M. Kennedy yeah. who held but that for seat for the study of the United I know, States. But Senate. Vicky Kennedy is putting. She should have taken. What, what do they think is going to happen? Exactly. They're going to have yeah. like. Let the protesters in. I mean, what do they think will happen in an in a enclosed building with lights, electricity, and microphones and things that you have will, a debate? The will the pack his eyes out. It's well, I also think then he should that he should ride forward into it, and he would even be more heroic. So, I mean, I think it's a question of what what does it mean to play host? She's not talking about being moderator. In fact, the person she wanted to moderate was Tom Brokaw. So, I think that seems completely legitimate. But there's so many strands of this. I think one of the most fascinating objections that the Scott Brown campaign had was that MSNBC would be the media partner here. And I guarantee you that what he was afraid of is that you'd have post-debate analysis helmed by Rachel Maddow (coughs) and Chris Matthews. Lawrence O'Donnell. Right. And and no matter what happened, they would eviscerate him. And you'd have a huge listening audience in Massachusetts because, right, they're listening for the Massachusetts That's why I'm saying it was legitimate. That I get. So that MSNBC was legitimate. Part, I, I don't know about the Vicky Kennedy thing because that whole setup with Tom, if Tom Brokaw moderates and you put a camera on it, I don't see an issue. It's you, it's the candidates, and it's Tom Brokaw, yeah. and he seems fair to me. But I understand the post debate analysis because you know that's what he should have negotiated. No post. Yeah. If he had negoti- negotiated no 
post-game analysis, maybe it yeah, been... <laughs> or put it on CNBC, MSNBC, on MSNBC. You know, do something that would or be fair. Only or something. But you know, but the, look, there, there's also a lot to go around here. I mean, there's been questions about should Dan Ray host a debate? I mean, you know, people are talking out of both sides of their mouths on on and all. Well, as you know, Kara, Dan Ray. I mean, I love Dan Ray, and I love him on his radio show, and he's come on this show. But he has said point blank. He supports Scott Brown. And he's so his friend, Elizabeth, yeah. And he's his friend. So I can see where Elizabeth Warren would feel. Maybe she couldn't, even though I think Dan could give I do. her I, a I fair shot. I, I understand the reluctance. Yeah. That's right. all I'm saying. That's right. Yeah, but I, I also, I think that Dan, being in a small table like this, right, you know, with Dan Ray, who controls everything, is different than when you're in an institute that is trying to raise its national profile as the Institute for the Study of the Senate. And full disclosure, my dad was involved in the mm-hmm. initial creation of, of this, so we'll get that out of the way. But, I mean, I, th- that's why the Kennedy Library, uh, you know, has debates there with candidates of either side. It's just a, it's a forum that is denotes a political setting, and, and the Institute of the Senate is for the study of the Senate. And here's two United States senators that are going to debate there. It would raise the profile of the museum. They're not going to try to, of the Institute, they're not going to try to screw that up. They're not going to do anything that would screw it up. And they're not going to make this into like... And so, and so it, you know, be brave and go in and just it, say, it look, I went against, in and out and I still won. It runs against his image. You know, I mean, this thing that he That's wants to issue. talk about, the idea yeah. that, you know, uh, I reach across the aisle, That's I right. go into everything, <clears throat> you know... Uh, uh, you know, unafraid. I mean, this idea of wanting to structure things just so, and 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 being obsessed about you know this sort of choreography is, is you know again, it's it, it kind of runs counter to the image that he wants to portray in every other situation. And you were exactly I, I enjoyed your column because I was there at the groundbreaking, and he came in and he did. He took a plane down. He came running in late, yeah. and he was so incredibly gracious. And he right. talked about that institute being about the study of the Senate, which he was now becoming part of. And he was in awe of the fact that they were doing this. He was incredibly gracious. Okay, well, you may gracious. have to eat your words because clearly he was listening to his advisors <laughs> on this one. <laughs> You know, and I think they offered him a legitimate package. And and in effect, I think he probably should have made MSNBC the focal point of this because everybody would have understood that issue. Nobody understands saying, Tom Brokaw, yeah, no, I'm going to leave that on the table. By the way, not that you have the answer to this, Peter, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Yes. The the debate that was announced today by the Boston Herald, um, UMass Lowell. And anchored by um, moderated by David Gregory, is there a TV partner who's going to carry it? I have no idea. I don't. I so, don't have the answer. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I know it's available to cable networks. I was going to say who's producing it? Available to radio. But how does that work? Who's setting up the cameras? Who's like? I don't know. Cost I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't know. It sounds like a pool situation. But, but who's I know the pool? it said UMass cable Lowell? stations, radio, no, but there's web. no pool. I'm telling you right now, there's no pool. So unless they're providing the whole thing, and all all we have to do is come up and plug in. I don't know who's going to carry it. That, and that'll be interesting, to, too, to see if there's a fee to carry it. And if there isn't, how many radio stations, yeah, any CN, you that, know, how that, many that people carry That part of the equation has not been announced. All right, I want to move along because I really want to talk about uh, Sal DeMacy and also the, the, the story that you wrote about today, which I had the exact same take. Um, actually, we'll, we'll start there. Um, you, you wrote, Peter, this morning about um, these two guys, Josh Fernandez, who's 18, uh, and Christopher Lopes, or Lopez, I'm not right. sure, he's 22, both found guilty of murdering 14-year-old Nicholas Fomby Davis. I'm not soft on crime. I don't think murderers should go free. I looked at those two kids, and I thought, oh, my God. I mean, this is such a waste of life. This 14-year-old boy, mm. there's nothing we can do for him. But these two kids, I mean, even the 22-year-old, like, they're going to go to jail for the rest of their lives. Nothing good is ever going to come of anything out of that incident. And I looked at that one, especially the younger one, I thought it almost looked like there was hope in him. I'm not sure about the other one, but it just seems like that's it. And you wonder what what led a kid to that point where it's just everything is over. It's, well, it's a well, hopeless uh, situation. Dan Connolly's uh, remarks afterward said that, you know, he thought the – the evidence against Fernandez, the younger one, was was overwhelming, and that it, he he was surprised that the jury came back uh, quite as fast as it did because he thought they'd probably have a little bit more discussion uh, and deliberation about about Lopes. But the crime was just uh, really blood curdling. I mean, I mean, the idea of laying in wait and uh, you know Lopes. Uh, 
summoning this kid, Fernandez, to come in with a gun and uh, holding holding uh, Fonby yeah. Davis, they, pulling him off the scooter, holding him while they execute him, while, while Fernandez shoots him. And um, and he talked. I mean, uh, my, my my point being that there was no there was no sense of victory or joy or anything in, in, in anywhere from any particular aspect of that group of people up up on the eighth floor yesterday because, you know, uh, Conley talked about that. Conley talked about you know the senselessness of 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 the act itself and then and then losing essentially losing these two kids for life too. And hoping that perhaps that 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 situation reverberates down, but it won't. You no, know, it won't because it's played out over and over again. You know, you you see it. You you have you you've had any number of crimes that have been, you know, just as just as uh, uh, heinous. You know, well, and uh, yeah, I was just going to say that you said you know I hope it reverberates down, and and it's interesting actually. There have been recent studies that show that it really doesn't matter whether you have a three strikes you're out law, whether you put people away in prison for life, whether you do do the death penalty. It does not filter down to potential criminals. Like it, it does not change. You know, it seems like it would be a deterrent, but mm-hmm. it actually it, that's right. It it ends up not being partially probably because a lot of the people who uh, perpetrate the crimes are not aware of the of the criminal no justice idea. code and what they um, what they would be punished for. I I think that. Part of the, I wonder if part of the reason that it was so quick in the jury de- deliberation is that, uh, you know, you had a former Boston police officer involved mm-hmm. here who who said, you know, look, I witnessed the crime. The defense it, tried to take down. Yes, mm. that's right. But mm. it is hard to get something more ironclad than it just happened to be a former police officer passing by during this crime. It's interesting. Paul Joyce of the Boston Police Department superintendent is somebody who has studied this like a like a social scientist uh, as well as a as a police officer and about a year or two ago uh, we spoke you know he spoke about the idea that this gang structure now that they've talked about um, is is actually in a state of kind of disarray and it's and it's actually more frightening than you know the the sort of gang connotation for instance that you saw in the wire you know because mm-hmm. there is no logic to what these kids will do now for you know they they they're familiar with guns and they will shoot for for any Anything. slight for there's nothing there's no code that there's, there's no code there's no there's no in many in many situations no even leader in these things i mean the irony about when he was talking about that of course then uh then the Mattapan massacre happened which right, was, right. in a way was kind of a throwback because this was older people involved, right, and 30s. this was about drugs, and and it was it kind of brought it back to a to an earlier time. But but the reality is these kinds of situations are, are what is dominating. Um, you know, you know where do you stand on this? The, the um, Supreme Court is expected to rule in the next two weeks about uh, putting juveniles away for life for a crime committed when when they were eighteen or under. Now Lopes was under eighteen when he committed the crime. How does anybody feel about that, Terrence? Putting them away. 17 uh, Yeah, I mean, sorry. I think there, there's got to be – it's like what you're saying, that there's got to be a way at that – finding some liminal point in their life where they did – of course, it's murder, but they did it. They they just didn't understand the full thing that they were doing and perhaps getting them into some program where it's part incarceration, part mm. s- social service, you know, really getting them back <clears> – <throat> I can imagine, you know, you do read stories about people that did murder people and then went through years of jail um, <clears throat> and were able to rehabilitate themselves in some way. Maybe it, maybe it is that. Rose, is... Rosemary Scarpicchio um, delayed the, the actual sentencing was this morning because she filed a, uh, yeah. a, uh, a, a memorandum health, yeah. that talked about what they call the adolescent brain uh, syndrome. Uh, syndrome, which essentially says when you're, you know, 14 at the age uh, Fernandez was – you're really too young. The brain, you, you know, brain formation is such that they're too young to form a, a requisite yeah. intent. Uh, it's an interesting thing. I mean, she she was denied actually, I guess, getting it in during the trial, but but the judge allowed her to put it in in the sentencing memorandum. But what happened so. today? Did did they both get life? Yeah, yeah, they they life without parole. Yeah. Right. It's to your point, Emily, earlier, just that it's a waste. Now, I mean, you're basically dead in yeah. a way. Uh, right. You could still see your mom and your grandmother and all that, but you're you're dead. Yeah, and um, because and all kinds of atrocious things will happen yeah. to him in in prison, obviously. So you're just warehousing a body. But yep. is there a chance to to rehabilitate 
them but do we want and then to and then use well, them I, back I, out into the community I, I and i think there's a really interesting discussion about i mean this is a much bigger discussion but i think there's a really interesting discussion about should you waste people and waste an incredible amount of money because it, yeah. it's fifty thousand dollars a year generally to yeah. put people away that's like paying for them to go to harvard every yeah. year and the question is could could something be done could there be a point at which people are reevaluated after 10 20 years i would think probably yes yeah. but it's a whole kind of infrastructure and I think that politicians worry about looking soft exactly. on crime That's by exactly. instituting I, something know, like that. I, I'll tell you this. It, it, it never, ever goes away because um, I did a story not, not all that long ago about uh, an attempt, a grassroots attempt to have a life or sentence uh, commuted. And this was a gentleman who killed a apparent rising star in Kevin White's administration oh, back right, in like right, 1971, right. 72. I remember this. And I won't tell you who one of the really aggrieved and seething parties was because uh, I don't feel free to use his name. But, but I will tell you that, that he, wouldn't, he couldn't talk to me about it. After the story was written, he called to say thank you. But he couldn't talk about it at the time because when he heard about this, he was still so torn up. He he had been with the the the, the gentleman that night. DA, he was celebrating, wasn't it? Right, he was celebrating. He had just he yeah. had just uh, passed the bar, it, yeah. and he was uh, he was a rising star. He was going to be an advanced man in White's uh, then gubernatorial campaign, and um, uh, forty years later, and and and. People can't, you know, it's it's impossible. Okay, but it's, it's one so thing visceral. to get. The, I mean, I don't, I don't want to dismiss the family and the close associates, but I mean, you got to look at it more dispassionately. I mean, it's the, I mean, I have no relationship with these guys, and I'm looking at it thinking, really, the rest of your life. And uh, you know, the problem is too. I mean, see, it's all political because who would institute these programs? Politicians. Yeah, yeah. And then you have one instance. It could be that that there's a real potential for rehabilitation, and there's all these people whose lives are being wasted, but they could be out in the community, which would be better for everybody because they would be so much less expensive. They could be contributing rather than sucking money away. But then you have one situation like Willie Horton, and the entire program falls apart. That even was a that, furlough. Even if that's like 0.1%, yep. you know, and, and it doesn't necessarily make right. any sense, but it's like people's assessment of risk is so often wrong. Yeah, like yeah. people are scared of planes no when actually risk. cars yep. are more dangerous, but but it doesn't matter because yep. people yep. get it into their head and they're frightened. All right. Talking to Kara Miller, Peter Gilzinis, and Terrence Burke. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Salda Macy. And we're also going to respond to some of your emails, tweets, and Facebook messages as we do every Friday at this time. We'll continue our roundup of this week's top news headlines. You can find us online at wgbh.org slash Emily or email us at emily at wgbh.org. Find us on Facebook. Send us a tweet at Emily Rooney Show. You're listening to The Emily Rooney Show from 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio. Funding for our programs comes from you and DeCordova Sculpture Park and Museum, New England's destination for contemporary art and sculpture. You can explore a constantly changing landscape across 35 acres, 20 miles from Boston. More at decordova.org. And Dedham Savings. The reception that we've gotten has been tremendous. Peter Brown, President and CEO. I even got at least three emails, phone calls, or in-person comments from other CEOs of other community banks, almost thanking us for getting involved with it and impressed with the fact that we were involved with WGBH. To learn more, visit wgbh.org slash sponsorship. It's cool, it's sweet, and it's fun for the whole family. Support WGBH with a gift of just $30, and we'll say thanks with not one, not two, but four tickets to the WGBH Fun Fest, coming to WGBH's Brighton Studios on Saturday, July 14th. There's ice cream from your favorite local vendors, awesome kids' music, there's even a bouncy house. Secure your tickets online at wgbh.org slash funfest. I'm Callie Crossley. On the next Cali Crossley Show, we hit the rewind button on the week's local news. Today at 1 on WGBH Boston Public Radio. You're listening to the Emily Rooney Show. It's time to rummage through our email bag, as we do every time this Friday. Over the past three weeks, we've been discussing the various casino plans being proposed in places like Taunton and East Boston. But when it comes to the promised economic benefits from such casinos, Audrina isn't buying it. 
One of the main, she writes, one of the main justifications for such casinos is the amount of jobs it could create. But after the construction, all that would be left are unstable, low-wage service industry jobs. And from my experience in the service industry and riding the blue line, it's what a lot of of my many immigrant neighbors do. It requires little to no education, and it's not the kind of job that one aspires to. Our politicians should be paying better attention to what examples they are setting for their constituents. You should know, Adrena, that I got in trouble for agreeing with you on that point last week when people were spitting back at me saying, who are you to say what's a good job? Anyway, last Friday we discussed the preponderance of news coverage on Mitt Romney and the Mormon Church, asking if the media had become too fixated on his faith. Diane sent us this email. One of your guests said that he's never worried that Mitt Romney would use his religion to direct his presidency. I think he's dead wrong, and the media nervousness is warranted. Well, have no worries about telling us what you think. We always want your tweets, comments, and emails. Send them to emily at wgbh.org or visit us at our homepage, wgbh.org slash Emily Rooney. Now, continuing with our Week in Review, I'm joined here in the studio by Boston Herald columnist Peter Gelzinis, WGBH contributor and host of Innovation Hub, Kara Miller, and Terrence Burke, a public affairs professional at Denterline. Well, I steeped myself in all things Sal DeMacy this week. I've been fascinated with the case since it's been going on, but this to me is a new wrinkle, this whole timeline in particular about his cancer and his cancer treatment. As early as December, Sal DeMacy knew he had lumps in his neck. He didn't get them. He didn't get a, his first examination until January 30th, at which time he was told while he was in Kentucky that it was likely cancer. He didn't get a biopsy until April 24th. He didn't get a PET scan until June 2nd. His chemotherapy, the first is today, according to people close to the story, while he was in um, the Wyatt in Rhode Island, the doctors there said, this guy needs a needle biopsy immediately. Don't move him. We're the people to do the, uh, do the rest of what needs to be done before he gets moved on. But the feds took him and moved him again, took him back to Kentucky. Now he's back in North Carolina where he is getting treatment. But we had... Um, uh, Steve Huggard on the show yesterday. He's a former chief of public corruption unit of the U.S. Attorney's Office, 17 years as a special prosecutor. He basically thinks that the Bureau of Prisons blew this. Here's what he said. I think that they are loath to ever admit that they have a failing. Hmm. And because if they admit that they can't treat a patient population, then that patient population needs to be released or dealt with some other way. And they're not going to admit to that. He thinks that... uh, that DeMacy's lawyers have a case to go back to Judge Wolf and say they've already proven that they can't take care of him. Also, I think just on the public side, when you read this story, you're sort of saying, oh, really? I mean, when he he was found guilty and all that, you were conflicted, should he go to jail or not? And we all had that discussion. But now you're like, this is too much. This is too much that he's going to have some awful cancer in some prison in Kentucky or whatever and have... Look, he's, he's had half his teeth pulled out I, I think it's too much. For this. It's the, the he public, can't have radiation yeah. for weeks because of this. <clears throat> this is not had. what I don't think anyone... He's, he's going to have a stomach right. tube so he can be... He it's can't awful. eat. It's like... Well, it, it, it borderlines on cruel and unusual. It, this is what will happen if they keep presenting the case this way. The public is going to... Or, or some people will just say, this is crazy for a, you know, a, a political deal. And I know it's corruption and all that. But I just think after a while, when it's, wow. when this is brought in, that people will just find this Maybe if, too much, too if, much. If anything, too, I think what it'll do is hopefully um, put a spotlight on. I mean, a lot of people have died in prison and they've, you know, right. and, and, and they're, yeah. you know, far worse guys in terms of their right. offenses than what Sal went in for. But they've died. I mean, yeah. they died of cancer, yeah. and it's it's never made this kind of uh, this will help a lot uh, of people. So I think that. the idea of you know stage four is is about as bad as it gets, and that, yeah. uh, you know to to allow that to fester like that, to have that as you said that timeline it's, uh, it's, is, it's is shocking. The tube is a very serious thing, by the way. That that procedure itself is. Unbelievable. Well, it Just also looks like it's gotten increasingly bad right in the months when it has gone untreated and when things have been delayed. This does feel like bureaucratic incompetence, and everybody understands what happens when an issue gets shuttled around from place to place w- within a huge bureaucracy and somehow gets lost in there. And that feels, and, and this unfortunately was a really important issue. And th- that this feels like that kind of issue. And unfortunately, it's taken so long that it may 
may really affect his chances at survival. When you hear doctors talk about this, they say when, once it spreads to the lymph nodes, it can be really, really and hard to ever recover. Especially, from, yeah. I mean, what makes it even even more disgusting is uh, to know that, you know, when he should have been receiving treatment and when this should have really been looked at, you know, they were shuttling him around Six to satisfy a grand jury situation about the... You know the corruption, uh, some some more corruption stories here in the state. I mean, they were shuttling him up and down. He was in Worcester would, for like two weeks. He was in solitary confinement for the majority of that time. Right, he couldn't even communicate with his own family. Well, it's just also sort of an epic downward spiral where he goes from <clears throat> being somebody who's sort of on top of the world in Massachusetts to he has cancer, his wife has cancer, their house is foreclosed on. I oh. mean, it's just this this most incredible fall from grace. And and as Terrence, I think, rightly says, maybe people wanted him punished. I don't think anybody anticipated the level of punishment that Did was going to come. Did they want him to die like this? No, that's really what I'm wonder. saying. That's what I'm saying. Now it's like, stop. You know, now now you wonder, I mean, how do you get out of this? How does the know. Bureau well, of Prisons, how does Judge Wolf get out of this? saying that once you're in the system, if this had happened before he they took yeah, him away, yeah, so to yeah. speak, he'd have some hope about n- not actually entering. He says, but once you're in the system... Getting out is nearly impossible. You're just this. You, you are. You, you are. Yeah, you are owned tra- by the by the system. But it's but to, Wolf, to, but ac- to, yeah. actually Wolf. You know when when the sending was happening, and I followed the trial pretty closely. Well, Wolf told uh, Tom Kiley that he would try his best to see if he could get him at, to Devon's. And uh, he has no sway. Uh, and he, but he hadn't. He he made that clear. He says I have no sway with what they're going to do, with what the Bureau of And it's to your does. point, too. So what solution can they have for this? If I mean, can you release them? But then it's to your point, too. They're not going to admit making a mistake. Well, then, what, what's the, then what about the guy that's a blue-collar worker guy yep. that's not a speaker of a house who does go in yeah. the, and, and dies miserably? Oh, let's see. That was too much well, of a you know, I mean, how, you had, do, you, you the how classic, do you do this? You had the mafia guys. You had Gotti yeah. in New York who died yeah. in prison. You yeah. had Joe Russo, local guy here, died of cancer in prison. Right. Um, so how do we how do we the question solve is, this? is, you know, the idea is, you know, even when you're dealing with it, I mean, I've I've been in that situation as a loved one dealing with it. And, you know, we had access to the to mm-hmm. the to best situations here and it still wasn't enough. When you think about what kind of level of care they're Ugh. getting and and the fact that they're stuck because, OK, we, we found you guilty so therefore, you know, you're you're denied any kind of uh, treatment yeah. that might yeah. be available to somebody else. And just the comfort of not having a fluorescent light jail cell, you know, plastic mattress world that you live in. Well, it you've just, got a stomach too. Yeah, and, and, you're, oh and your wife God. isn't there all the time to be with you, and you're scared. You're scared, and you have family, and you can't be with them, and it's just Doctors hellish. were allegedly told not to speak to her. I mean, you know. Uh, uh, I, I know it's, it's, it's incomprehensible. It's, yeah. Like I said, I'm not soft on crime, but I keep coming up and saying the, the, the system is just not working. All right, moving along. Also this week, actually today, Kurt Schillen was talking to uh, our friends across the street, uh, Dennis and Callahan, admitting that he's basically lost everything that he had. Here's a little what he had to say. Oh, you don't have it? Oh, I thought we did. All right. Well, Kurt Schilling says he put $50 million yeah. of his own money into 38 studios, Lost all of that, you know. He's he blames himself, but he's also blaming Lincoln Chafee, the state of Rhode Island, saying they were on the verge of making a big, big deal with this gaming company that was coming out with a second version of some game, and it was a thirty-eight million dollar deal. And if Lincoln Chafee has kept his mouth shut and bailed him out a little bit more, that the thing would be back on track. Well, one interesting thing he said, I, I actually heard the the soundbite of that, and he on the station actually, and yeah. he <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought we did have the, it. Oh, well. he he um he said that Rhode Island. The, the way they got into it, and this shows you this what happens when government gets involved in doing this type of thing. When Rhode Island, they needed the jobs numbers high. So he, according to Kurt Schilling, he had to hire a lot of people to inflate the job numbers to make this thing. This is why we did this. And the job numbers exceeded the amount that was coming in. I mean, the job, the, the amount of employees exceeded what they're what they were receiving in revenues or even so he had to pay a lot of money to have a number of people in to satisfy the state of Rhode Island's uh, needs here. That's according to Kurt Schilling. So I, I just think it shows you that this is just not a good way to go about doing this type of business because these gaming companies are very healthy. They are very good. We yes, have one exactly. of the largest conventions happening around here. It's a huge thing. 
And he for, didn't own the yeah. game. That was the problem. That's it. He owned the company, but not the game. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think this points to two problems. I think one is the one that Terrence uh, that looks at here, which is the problem of states overextending themselves and offering tax breaks and all sorts of sweeteners to say, come in and, and, and you put yourself in the dangerous position of, okay, what if that company goes under? This is the Solyndra situation, yeah. right? What if that company goes under? You as a state are going to be held liable for that. And it shouldn't be that. It should be, you know, private companies fail all the time and that will happen in the future. The other thing, though, I think is it's questionable that somebody whose expertise is baseball is heading a video game company. I mean, when we think of it, of companies that have really succeeded, the Facebooks, the, the Googles, the um, Apples, the people running those companies understood inside and out what those products were. They Some of those people helped create them. They knew the computer code. I don't think well, Kurt Schilling no. intrinsically... Well, a lot of those people that I mentioned did. Oh, no, no, no. But I wonder if he didn't. He certainly seemed to have some business acumen. I mean, you know. It's like a producer. He was like a producer. Yeah. It, whereas, and then you hire the yeah, person the people, that's the expert yeah. in this. Right, yeah, But the right, other question I, is, is the worry product. If the if product have, itself. Yeah, exactly. I if, mean, you know, it's a very kind of weird, esoteric <laughs> industry. And, you know, he was asking for a lot of money. Yeah. It's not as if he could say... You know, categorically, look, you know, I've got this in- incredible thing here. I got the, you know, the answer to the iPod or something, you know, something that was going to be can't miss. I mean, it's a very, uh, for lack of a better word, I mean, it's kind of a, it's, it, you know, I'm not in that population. It's kind of a geek-driven thing, you know, people who love these games. The first and, game was successful. You know, well, it's just, it's, you know, the thing was, I don't think, I think it's a very, it's a, it's, it's the kind of industry for people who are steeped in that. Who know, you know, who know that this product is really going to be great. And, you know, and, and yeah, and plus, I think they got seduced by the fact that he was Kurt Schilling. That's right. You know? I think yeah, he's that. a great salesperson. But I guess the question is, do you want your best salesperson to be your CEO? And maybe you do, but I think there's an argument for the CEO being a little bit more uh, fully integrated into the industry and having your sales force be your sales force. But... All right, one more topic before we move on to thumbs up, thumbs down in our third segment. I don't really have time to get into a really heavy-duty discussion about um, national politics. However, here's a subject we can all weigh in on. Rael Hunter. She's doing her first exclusive 2020 interview with Chris Cuomo tonight. Uh, Here she is discussing the fallout from her affair, specifically as it relates to the Edwards children. Well, we're waiting. We'll have that in a second. She also said some pretty horrible things about Elizabeth Edwards. Apparently, there was a little uh, bit of uh, a clip of it that ran on uh, Good Morning America this morning. But here is what she said to Chris Cuomo. The full truth needs to be in the public domain. Their father's not a demon and their mother's not a saint. And I'm not a homewrecker. We're real human beings. And there was a real dynamic that was going on, good and bad. And we all made mistakes. You know, Terrence, I don't know if I can say this on the air because there's a sign over there that says I no swearing. That. I keep looking but at that to hold on. <laughs> when I go to the dictionary and I look up the word skank, Royal Hunter comes to mind. With, a, with like a little Swedish <laughs> double dot over the A just to give it an extra hump. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I admit, yeah. though, I'm curious she's to know what she in. has to say. Ca- it's the I also want to know if she's right? still with him. Nobody seems to know that. I know. I've actually wondered that myself. Well, it a picture feels of them like... Together? Oh, I was going to say it know. feels like she's not with no. him. But I will say that that speech that he gave on the courthouse steps saying how much he loved Quinn and, and it was very odd, too, because his older daughter That's was standing right yeah. next to him, Kate. And and boy, I mean, it, it, we were talking before about Sal DeMacy falling from grace. But this is this is in a completely, completely different way. One of the most epic falls yeah, really. I've ever seen Absolutely. from somebody really helping out the poor and talking about two Americas mm-hmm. and helping his wife with cancer yep. to, oh, my gosh, talking on the scorehouse steps about his mistress's child next to his you know, daughter with his wife who has now died of cancer. I mean, it, it, it's, it's mind-blowing. Plus, really. I, I saw the clip where she says that uh, she was... You know, she was like third in line or something. There had been several other long-running affairs he had uh, that, that she was hardly the first. Or, I'm sure that's yeah. – I don't, I mean, I don't so. disbelieve that. Yeah. But it's also it's, – it's a classic cycle where now she gets to cash in. 
and she does the book tour and the interview, and you wonder who's publishing this book, so who gets the exclusive, all that stuff that we, we do all the time, Beat the Press and all that. Um, you find out they're all linked together. Who, who knows what's going on with this, but it's like a rollout of her. And we'll her, just get this book. I mean, yeah, that's I mean, it. it. It's a whole rollout. I mean, it's just a curiosity. Rollout. Anybody here going to watch it? I'll probably tape it. <clears throat> Um, I mean, I think it's going to be covered so heavily. Bits of it will be covered so heavily on other networks, and I'm sure I'll end up watching it. But it seems to me indicative of the way that media works now. Many people don't even think about this, but one of the ways that Kim Kardashian rose to prominence is that a sex Who's tape that of, yeah. <laughs> was that a sex tape of her was uh, was uh, leaked when she was not all that famous at that time. It was the sex tape that originally sort of catapulted really? her to prominence, and she built on that with a TV show and books and different things. and And it feels to me like Real Hunter is next headed towards you know I don't know the Real Housewives of Raleigh or something. I don't know where we're she'll going probably with release this. that sex tape that's, that that's much. Yeah, yeah, oh I mean, God, was, no, I hope not. There is no shame anymore. More. You know, shame is something you can convert into uh, into dollars. I know? find this interesting. This thing was on schedule to come out, the book and I think the interview, regardless of what happened to him. I mean, he was only acquitted week before last, was it? It's like yeah, it's... I bet they can they can manipulate when that drops. I bet they can do no, that. No, but she was going to do the book no matter what. Uh, so yeah, even if yeah, he was on his way drops, to jail. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's not a year from now because it would cool off. So now it's still hot in the... In the news it probably cycle, would have so. been a lot hotter if he had been found guilty, obviously. You, I think I also, think. I mean, th- I think it's totally in keeping with her character because she was drawn to him in the first place because he was a famous person. So the notion that she's still attracted to fame in the spotlight is not the least bit surprising to me. She she has completely been in character this entire time. Ugh. I won't say it again, but <laughs> you know where I stand on this. All right. Would Terrence Burke eat pizza made from scratch in less than three minutes from a vending machine? Has Kara Miller already purchased her ticket to see Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, tonight? Does Peter Galzinas think it's time for the Red Sox to trade Kevin Euclid? We'll find out. You're listening to The Emily Rooney Show from 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio. We love our contributors. That means you. And Aviv Centers for Living, committed to providing the rehabilitation care you need for the results you want. Aviv will open a new campus in Peabody in the fall. For more information, you can visit avivliving.org. And Wind River Environmental, providing septic, grease, and drain cleaning services that can help keep your home and your business running smoothly. Your septic and grease pumping service experts. wrenvironmental.com. And the members of the WGBH Sustainer Program, whose gifts of $5, 10 or $20 a month make up the most reliable income for the programs you love on 89.7. Learn more about sustaining membership at WGBH.org. I'm Callie Crossley. On the next Callie Crossley Show, it's our weekend review. We look at the local news that went under the radar. We top off the hour with Ragtime, a roundup of the week's pop culture. That's today at 1 on 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio. Visit WGBH.org right now and you can enter to win a trip for two to England, where you'll visit Highclere Castle, known to viewers all over the globe as Downton Abbey from the hit masterpiece series. Prize includes round-trip flight on Lufthansa, four-night luxury accommodations, and a private tour of Highclere, led by Lady Carnarvon herself. Afternoon tea included. But act fast. The contest ends on June 29th. Visit WGBH.org to learn more. I'm Brian O'Donovan. Come join me every Saturday at 3 for a good old-fashioned session on a Celtic sojourn on 89.7 WGBH. Beep, beep. Does it have to be human? Beep, beep. Does it have to be mine? Beep, Welcome back. You're listening to the Emily Rooney Show. That, of course, is the music from Little Shop of Horrors. It's time to finish off the week with our ever-popular Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down segment. Joined here in the studio by 
Terrence Burke, a public affairs professional at DentureLine. Kara Miller, host of Innovation Hub on WGBH. And Peter Gelzinis, a Boston Herald columnist. Little Shop of Horrors. Thumbs yeah, up, thumbs down. Good, if you good can movie. name the flower in that movie. Seymour. Oh, no, wait. Feed me Seymour. No, that can't be right. That must be Seymour. Mm, I don't know. The actual flower, Peter. Can't do it. Venus flytrap. Yes. <laughs> it was a giant Venus. You got flytrap. it. It was a giant yeah, Venus. Yeah, flytrap. Not a big corpse flower. Those are actually pretty cool because they open up <coughs> slowly, right. slowly, and they go wham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could put hamburger meat in there too. Yeah, exactly. That's yep. the whole point. Yep. All right. So <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down on corpse flowers. Flowers that smell like rotting flesh. I think it's fascinating. So thumbs up. Thumbs down on people sending them to me. But they send them to you? (laughs) No, I mean, I just, I don't want to be sent them, but they can exist out there in the world. That's fine. Rolling Stone song. I'm okay with it because uh, my uh, lifelong nasal polyp condition has basically uh, killed my (laughs) sense of smell, so it doesn't matter to me. I think anything that gets people interested in, you know, botany or science, and, you know, there's this guy up in New Hampshire who who has 50 of them and sent five of them to the uh, Zoo New England, and they got 15,800 people there in 48 hours for free, by the way. So it's it's a great you know thing yep. for the zoo and the zoo has got a whole bunch of new uh, exhibits opening this and f- summer. So when all this electronic stuff's around and stuff, oh, isn't I it great know. that people want to go see this thing that happens once every seven years? Yeah, John Linehan yeah. told me there was one woman who came back fifteen times because the thing happened so quickly. You know the, the opening and then the closing and the wilting, and she was just fascinated by it. You know, kept taking pictures, and we had a time lapse on hmm. last week. So I'd have to say yes. All right, now on to the more mundane. Let's see, thumbs up, thumbs down on retiring at seventy. Rather than 65. That's going to be the new retirement age. Peter? I'd like to stick around till that age, I guess, <laughs> if I could. Working? Yeah, sure. All right. Sure. That's good. I think sure. so, thumbs up. I mean, when, when Social Security came about, people died generally in their late 60s. So the notion of retiring at 65 had a total – now people live so long. I, I think that makes sense. Thumbs it's down. about working. Yeah. And then I'll work how I want to work. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I still would, would want to work past 65 or 8, but I don't want to, yeah. you know. I mean, thumbs down. The bummer thing the... here is that they've moved the, you know, the, the mm-hmm. end game for Social Security. So I don't even know what the end game is now. Right. I know what it is for me. but it, and, and I'm not it. a golfer or, no. you know, a I play hunter, tennis, but how much can you do? Like yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> 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 Parents are saying a lot. You yeah. can do a lot. 30 years of golf, no problem. Yeah, yeah. Or just All right, on. here's one for you, Peter. Thumbs up, thumbs down on treating Kevin Euclid. Yeah, it's time. Oh. Thumbs up. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he's he just looks miserable. He looks miserable. He looks like he's just, you know. I mean, I, I, I think his batting stance is pretty weird anyway. But but he just, he looks like he's, it's just, it's like that thing where, you know, everything changes around you and you're, you're there. You know, it, it, the thing is, his moment, I think, was, you know, a year or two ago, and it's not there now. And I think it's probably, you know, welcome maybe a fresh start someplace else. Didn't help that uh, Bobby Valentine was dissing him and saying he was oh, oh, no. half-hearted no. or not there. You going to weigh in on this, Terrence? Uh, uh, oh, what, uh, I don't know. Whatever helps the team <laughs> out. Kara? Right. Yeah, uh, same, same with Terrence. I'm giving so, it a thumbs I down. Love Kevin Euclid. You do. Just, I, okay. I mean, some of these people, you just they're just on the team. David Ortiz, he's just well, that, on the that's team. That's going to be tough, like, too, with the Celtics changing. For my kids, for instance, and we watch all these things together, that all these familiar faces may change. Well, I think one of the things about Euclid is, uh, too, I mean, the skills have kind of, you know, he's, I mean, I mean, Ortiz is still able to, to deliver, you know. I think he's, yes, had, he's had problems this year, and you can see it. One so. of them is being grouchy. He needs yeah. to shut up and play ball. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's one. I'll give you this one, Terrence. Thumbs up, thumbs down on the NBC Today show dumping Ann Curry because she's not, you know, cutesy and affable enough as the co-chair, as the co-anchor on that it's, show. That's terrible. You know, if she if she can deliver that, she's been doing that for so long and she does it well. Years she's yeah. been, 14 years she's been on the show. One year as the anchor. You say thumbs down on that? Yeah. I have been obsessed with this story all week. I'm going to have to say thumbs up. She's not that good as an anchor. From everything I've heard, she is a lovely person, like in person. She's really nice. She seems nice. It, it, I don't think she works. And, and I think there's a reason probably that she was passed over when Meredith Vieira was chosen. There was a reason that they didn't, they, they didn't promote her. And finally they got to a place where it just would have seemed so weird not to promote her. So they did. 
she just she wasn't the right person. She's not the right person for the job. And and you know I think she's under so much scrutiny now because the ratings are really suffering. So maybe it will be good for her in the long run because there's so much pressure on her right now because GMA has has beaten them several times in the last few weeks. Is anyone watching these shows? Anymore? I don't know. I'll get, yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Kara. I, I, I think she's a great reporter. Probably miscast, and I think she'll, you know, find higher ground. I hope. I hope she does. I mean, I, I like her. Yeah, but you know, the other thing is, what is the what is the crazy formula for something like that? I mean, got to be really silly and frivolous, and she's just not. Yeah. Or, but you you have to That's be silly. able to shift gears. You know, you yeah, have to be able to, to, and then and then when you have you know the Secretary of State on or something, well, you she know. can do that. Yeah. yeah. But That's she has a hard I mean. time doing some of the really dopey stuff. And That's what they want. All right, uh, Terrence. Here's one for you. Would, would you? Go to a vending machine for a slice of pizza. I would thumbs try. Up, thumbs up. You I would, would try. Yes, I, I am. I am. I will try anything. I really will. And if it's if it tastes good, then it tastes good. If it if it tastes good, it tastes good. It won't be good. Look, you can't get be good limp. pizza around here anyway. Yeah, I know. That's only true. New York. That's true. So that it's, so it, maybe the vending machine. You know, would it's going to be microwaves, so it's going to be limp. It's not going to be. It's going to be crunchy. I would pizza. try it. I'd be fascinated by it and try it. Yeah, sure. thumbs, thumbs up. I would totally try it too. And there are other countries like Japan where you can get everything from vending machines, and we seem to be going that direction, I, including, I think, live, sure live uh, crabs and shrimp. So sure. I'm just saying. Kita, would you? I, I'd try it if I was at a position where I wanted to like eat my hand or something. You know, I'm exactly with you. That is a big thumbs down. I, mean, I would run past factor. that. It's, it's like those awful coffee things. Where I mean, I've had enough. They make the coffee. I've had enough in. bad pizza in my life, but I mean, uh, yeah, I, you know, the idea of it sitting in okay. there all that time Ugh. and stuff. I, I oh yeah, whatever. People eat lean cuisine, which is just this little no, thing snapped by true. microwaves and plastic. Not this person. All right, sometimes I'm down, Terrence. Talk about you try anything. How about a bacon Sunday at Burger King? I would try that. I would try that. I would too. try that. I would yeah. totally try that. I would, I would try that. I would not want to eat the whole thing, maybe after, but I would try it. And actually, the New York Times, the, in, uh, one of the food writers, did the Dorito uh, taco and that, and said it was just exquisite, both of them. Peter, oh. no, uh, no, Only no, no. <laughs> I don't think so. All right, thumbs up, thumbs down. Roger Clemens, Hall of Fame. Peter, no. Kara, no. thumbs down. I thumbs think, down. yeah. No. I mean, eventually, he was acquitted. I'm going to have to give it a yeah. thumbs up. Eventually, he should get in. All right. And finally, thumbs up, thumbs down. Would you rather have it be 95 degrees, steaming hot, or 20 below zero and freezing cold? I'd rather have 95 degrees hot. <laughs> 95 degrees, even though I do not like both of those choices. I had 20 degrees. Really? Yeah, I know. Like, like 95 every day of the week yeah. like, <laughs> above that. Like All right. Myself. That's going to do it for our thumbs up, thumbs down segment. My thanks to Peter Gelzinis. Kara Miller and Terrence Burke. Thank Thanks so much for being with us Thank today. You. That's going to do it for us this afternoon. We will be back Monday with politics as usual. Also next week, we expect the Supreme Court ruling on the health care to come down. Usually rulings are Mondays and Thursdays, so we think it's going to be one of those. If not, it'll be the following week. Stay with us now for the Callie Crossley Show coming up next. She's going to take you under the radar with some of the stories you missed this week. And tonight on my television show, Beat the Press. Say you want substance in campaign reporting or are the missteps and gaffes more fun? Of course, we're talking about Scott Brown's Kings and Queens. And also we'll be looking at why the Today Show is dumping Ann Curry. That's tonight at 7. The Emily Rooney Show is a production of WGBH Radio. On the web at WGBH.org, Boston Public Radio. I'm Emily Rooney. Have a great afternoon. Blazing on the sunny afternoon In the summertime In the summertime In the summertime